Well, if you are new to Northbrook, my name is John. I'm one of the pastors here and uh, excited to be with you this weekend. If you are uh, newer to Northbrook, uh, we are in a series called It's Bigger Than Us. And we are exploring this idea that the kingdom of God is, is bigger than just the place we go when we die. Uh, the kingdom of God is actually here and now. Jesus said the kingdom of God is among us. It's here. And we get to be a part of it. By the way that we live our lives, we have this beautiful, amazing opportunity to bring the goodness of God into uh, our daily lives, bring his goodness into our world. And in conjunction with that, we are on week two of a 40-day campaign that we've been doing every year for the past few years called Operation Love Your Neighbor. Operation Love Your Neighbor is a campaign where we intentionally look for opportunities and create opportunities to love our community well over 40 days. And I've already talked to a few of you that have had opportunities to go and be a part of some of the things that we've done here at Northbrook in the community, and it's always exciting to hear those stories. Uh, But let's be real clear, Operation Love Your Neighbor is not about loving our community well for 40 days and then going, well, whew. Glad we don't have to love those people again until next year. Uh, But rather, Operation Love Your Neighbor is hopefully a catalyst, a reminder uh, that we have an opportunity and responsibility to love our community well as followers of Jesus every day of the year. And so uh, we come to this week, and I want to start with a question. How many couples in the room? Do we have any couples? Some of you are like, I'm not sure. Are we a couple today? Couples in the room, I want you to picture or imagine with me that uh, it's, it's a beautiful fall day and you are on a walk. And everything is perfect, right? Temperature's just right. There's the smell of pumpkin spice lattes in the air, if you like that sort of thing. And uh, it's just been a, it's just a great day. Now, for those of you that are like, we don't go on walks as a couple, okay, imagine you're at your favorite restaurant. You're at your favorite restaurant, the food has been perfect, service has been on point, everything is going perfect, And then one of you says something, and the tension descends. Anyone relate? Some of you are like, were you in the car this morning? (laughs) Isn't it amazing how one sentence can change the feel of an entire day? For those of you that uh, aren't in a relationship, or or maybe you aren't a couple right now, isn't it amazing how, maybe, maybe not even in a relationship, but isn't it amazing how even a random stranger can change the course of your day, for good or bad, by one comment that they make? Words said in anger, flippantly, sarcastically, have great power. Now, the reverse is thankfully true. Words that are said encouragingly, kindly filled with hope, love, can lift our spirits. They can encourage us. They can inspire us. That's why the writer of Proverbs 18.21 writes, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Today, what I'd like to do is I'd like to talk about the power of your words. In regards to bringing the goodness of God into the world that you live in. You have this incredible opportunity. We have this incredible opportunity to bring the goodness of God, the hope of God, the love of God, the joy of God into our worlds simply by the words that we choose to use and the words that we choose to not speak as well. 
And so my goal today, I'm going to be real clear about our goal today. My goal is that we would leave this room in a few minutes. And we would be more intentional, more strategic this week about the words that we speak in our goal of bringing the goodness of God into this world through our lives. And to do that, I'd like to cover four thoughts from the proverb that we just read, four thoughts that I have for you. So number one, your words have power. Read Proverbs 18.21, the tongue has the power of life and death. The tongue has the power. Your words have power. You know, superheroes have kind of made a comeback over the past few years. Any DC or Marvel fans in the room? Some of you. And uh, one of my favorite icebreaker questions to ask students I'm just getting to know is, if you could be any superhero, who would you be? You ever thought of that? If you could be any superhero... Maybe you'd want to fly through the sky like Superman, swing from building to building like Spider-Man. Maybe you just want to break stuff like the Hulk. Or maybe like my favorite, you just want to be incredibly rich with a bat cave. Batman. But here's, here's where, I'm going to go out of a limb here. I'm just going to, I'm just going to assume that no one in here has superpowers. And so it's easy, I think, as, as normal human beings to wake up some mornings and feel like we have no power over the world we inhabit. No real power to affect or change things. And that, now that would be a mistake. Because God has given each and every one of us incredible power. And one of the ways that he gives us incredible power is through this thing called communication. You know, God could have put us each on our own little planet by ourselves For the introverts in the room, that sounds really nice, I know, but he didn't. He put us on this planet together and he created a means for us to communicate through words, through non-verbal communication, through writing, letters. We all have this incredible opportunity to communicate with each other and as we communicate with each other, we affect each other. We, We influence each other for good or for bad. I think we often grossly underestimate the power of our words because we rarely see the impact right away. Like we, teachers in the room, when you say something encouraging or nice to a student, like typically you don't really see much of a response. It'd be nice if there was a narrator that kind of narrated our lives. You know, for me, my narrator is always Morgan Freeman. You know, when I think of a narrator, I don't know who you think of, but, and I can't do a Morgan Freeman voice, so I'm not even going to try. But imagine if you were a teacher and you said some like encouraging word and, and then all of a sudden there's a narrator that comes over and says, and that was the day that everything changed for little Johnny. <laughs> right? Like you'd probably do your job better if you had a narrator that was like, oh yeah, that was a good one. That's, that's going to have a long effect, right? Especially if it was Morgan Freeman, right? But we don't. We don't have a narrator. So when we say things, we, we don't always see the effect for good or bad. But words have great power. A few years ago, they did this fascinating study out of New York University. They brought in some college students and they set them up in a classroom and they gave them a word bank. And they said, we want you to create as many sentences as you can from this word bank as fast as you can. It's going to be timed. You have a certain amount of time. And so the students did that and then they were asked to walk down a hallway to another classroom where they were going to take a second test. Then they brought in another group of students, set them down, same thing, word bank, create as many sentences as you can in a certain amount of time. The only difference here is they changed out some of the words in the word bank. 
And in the word bank, the, some of the words had to do with old age, getting older. Words like wrinkle, bald, Florida. That is actually not a joke. Florida was in the word bank intentionally. Uh, prayers for Florida, but that was actually in the word bank. So these students took the test. You know, they made as many sentences as they could from the word bank, and then they walked down the hallway, and then they took the second test. But the real study was not in the classrooms. It was in the hallway. And here's what they discovered. The students that had words dealing with old age walked slower from one classroom to the next. They literally walked slower after reading words about old age. Now, side note, if you are a couple and one of you is always walking too fast, the other one, little tip, you just look at them as you're walking and go, is that a new wrinkle? We'll slow them down. Don't don't lose the significance of this. They read words about aging and then they walked slower. Now, imagine if, if words on a test page about aging can have that effect on them. What effect... Were the words of their friends, their parents, their teachers, their f- classmates over the years? What was the effect of words that were actually spoken over them and to them? If words on a page could have that much power. Words are free. But it would be a mistake to think that they aren't powerful. In our words, we have power of life and death with our friends, with our coworkers, with our family members. Words have power. Secondly, your words can kill. The tongue has the power of life and death. As a kid, I, I had no waist, very skinny, and so I had this problem that whatever jeans we bought me, like they would constantly like slide up until they were over my belly button. That wasn't a joke. And uh the worst was my baseball pants. My baseball pants were the absolute worst. No matter what baseball pants we bought me, like they would just constantly slide up as I was running and playing. And uh, I'll never forget, one day, it's probably about 25 years ago, we were actually, uh, we were doing warm-ups in a circle, our, just our team. It was a practice. And uh, sure enough, my baseball pants were going up over my belly button. And uh, one of my class, one of my uh, friends on my team, who was the captain of the team, he looked at me and he got this smile on his face. And he said, hey, everyone, look at Malstead. His pants are over his belly button. He looks like Steve Urkel. Now, for those of you that are too young in the room, Steve Urkel wore his pants a little high. And it's crazy. 25 years later, I can picture the field in Denver, Colorado, where those words were spoken. I can picture the circle. I can picture where I was standing. I have a lot of great memories when, when it comes to baseball in my childhood, but that is one of the top memories that I can vividly remember. Because words are powerful. And I'm sure every single person in this room has words that were spoken to you in your childhood that you still remember to this day that hurt. I was asking my wife about words that were spoken over her in her childhood as I was preparing for this message. And uh, she said that someone said something to her about her body when she was in middle school. And she still remembers it to today. Twenty-some years later. That's power. Words have power to wound, to kill. Young people in the room, uh, I work with students, I work with middle schoolers and high schoolers, and I'm always so saddened to hear some of the things that are spoken to you in your, in your schools. 
You know, we've worked so hard to eliminate all the weapons that are going into your schools to create this safe environment. And yet one of the most powerful things that we have no control over or little control are the words that are spoken to you in your hallways. I don't know that there's an answer for that because we're human beings and especially when you're younger and you're a human being and human being and you're insecure, insecure people tend to hurt others to make themselves feel better. It's just how the world works. And so humans that are insecure will say hurtful things. But I do want to tell you, young person in the room, that you have a choice to be a part of the problem or a part of the solution. You have a choice with your words. You can be sarcastic and mean and feel good for a second as you put someone else down and get a laugh. But you can also choose to speak life. Or to say nothing at all when there's nothing nice to say. Like you have that choice with your words. And your words are powerful. And your words said hurtfully could stay with someone long after you have left their life. You have that power. Now, adults in the room, you, you don't get a pass either. We may not, as adults, we're, we're a little more intentional not to, to bully people intentionally, but here's what I've noticed about our culture. We love to celebrate people that are harsh and cruel with their words as long as they're on our side. Bloggers, political pundits, social media influencers. We're fine with it. They're cruel and harsh and sarcastic words as long as they're making a point we agree with. And we'll repost it. We'll share it. We'll say, well, someone's got to say it. And I just wonder what we're creating, what kind of culture we're creating for the next generation as we celebrate words that are said that kill, even if they're making a valid point. Colossians Four, chapter 6, Paul writes, Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Let your conversation be always full of what? Grace. Now, there's no, ast- there's no asterisk there. It's not, well, you know, if, if they're being nice to you, if, they're, if they agree with you politically, ideology, like, right? Like, there's no, like, there's no asterisk. It's just... Let your conversation be always full of grace. Let your conversation be always full of grace. See, I, think, I think for followers of Jesus, each day there's this opportunity to wake up and ask our Heavenly Father to give us a filter for our words. To walk around and instead of be reactive and just say whatever comes to mind, to be reflective, to think through what we're about to say before we speak. John Acuff, in his book, Soundtracks, uh, writes about the acronym THINK. He says we need to do more thinking. THINK stands for asking ourselves before we speak or before we think a thought or before we allow a thought to stay in our minds, ask ourselves, is this true, helpful, inspiring, necessary, kind? THINK. Is this true? Is this helpful? Is this inspiring? Is this necessary? Is this kind? And if what we're about to say isn't in that category, is it really necessary? Do we really need to say it? Now, some of us in the room, we're we're like, well, you know what? I'm actually pretty careful with the words I say to other people. I'm actually doing pretty good in that category. But here's here's the follow-up. Words to yourself matter too. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. So if you're speaking words that kill to yourself, If there's negative self-talk going on in your head, if there's put-downs going on in your head, then you're not actually 
living as Jesus intends, as God intends. Let your conversation towards yourselves be full of grace. We have a, a friend in the office, and uh, occasionally she'll say something negative about herself out loud. And we have another coworker in the office that when she's around her and he, she hears her say something negative, she'll say to her, hey, don't talk about my friend that way. If you wouldn't say what you're thinking about yourself to a friend, why are you, why are you dwelling on that thought? Why are you allowing yourself to say that to yourself? Some of us need to have a little more grace with our, with ourselves. Our words that we speak over ourselves matter. Some of us need to filter our thoughts through that same filter to think, is this true? Is this helpful? Is this inspiring? Is this necessary? Is this kind? And if it's not, then maybe there's an opportunity to change the soundtrack, to change what we're saying to ourselves. Number three, your words give life. More than that, your words spoken over people can bring the kingdom of God into their lives, bring God's goodness, his love, his peace, his joy into their lives by your very words. Have you ever had someone say something, um, Maybe even just like flippantly or just kind of like randomly and it just totally made your day. Isn't it interesting how words said to us by even a complete stranger can totally make your day. I, uh, I'm getting older. I, I, I work with students, but I've officially reached the place where I'm very well aware that I'm no longer cool as I work with them. If I ever was, could be questioned as well, but I definitely know I'm not now. And uh, even just trying to keep up with their lingo is very difficult for me. Um, but I, but I know that I'm not fleek or snatched or on point or lit anymore. And that's no cap. Which means no lie, apparently. But, uh, every once in a while, I just like to feel like I'm still cool, right? Like every once in a while, I just want, like, just to be recognized that, like, I can be cool. So, about a month ago, my wife and I were at a restaurant and, uh, this server walked by. It wasn't our server, so I know he wasn't trying to get a tip. And, uh, it was probably like late teens, early twenties. And he looked over at my shoes and he said, whoa, those are cool shoes. And I was like, they are? I mean, yes, they are. (laughs) And the rest of that night I walked around like, I got cool shoes. Do you know I got cool shoes? Like I said, I have cool shoes. Hey, babe, did you hear? I have cool shoes. Right? Like, I was like, I was, I was feeling good. One random person comment on my shoes. That's the power of words. Sometimes the things we say can have an even bigger effect. I love the story in the Gospels uh, where Jesus, Matthew 16, Jesus is talking to Simon, one of his disciples. And Jesus is fully man, but he's also fully God. He understands all of Simon's flaws. He's well aware that at some point in the near future that Simon is going to deny that he even knows him three times. He's going to completely abandon him. And Jesus could have said to Simon, hey, Simon, I got a new nickname for you. It's Backstabber. Just stick around for a while. You'll understand why. But he doesn't. He looks at Simon. He says, hey, Simon, your name's now Peter because Peter means rock. And on you, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell aren't going to prevail against it. Another point in the the Gospels, Jesus looks at his disciples and, you know, sometimes we romanticize the disciples. We make them sound like this great, amazing group that Jesus had to work with. But the disciples were a hot mess. Let's just be honest. 
As we read the Gospels, you got 11 teenage boys. Peter was probably in his early 20s, but the other 11, they're teenage boys. And they're constantly, like, not paying attention. Jesus is constantly having to repeat himself, right? They're over here, like, drawing in the dirt. And Jesus is like, did you hear what I said? Do you get what I said? At one point, they're like, hey, Jesus, should we, should we send down fire and just, like, burn that whole city up? And Jesus is like, no, 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 we're not going to do that. Another point, two of them, brothers, they bring their mom to Jesus and they're like, hey, our mom wants to know if like we could be the greatest when you come into your kingdom, right? Like Judas is stealing money from the money bag, like on and on it goes. Those of you that lead life groups, trust me, Jesus understands. And at one point, Jesus looks at these 12 guys and here's what he says to them. He says, hey, you guys are going to do greater things than me. If I'm a bystander at that point, I'm like, whoa, 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 time out. Like, who are we pointing at? Not these 12. Like, is there someone in the background? Jesus points at them. He says, you guys are going to do greater things than me. And I have to wonder, those words spoken over them, how much that impacted them after Jesus died, rose again, and left. And they're on their own, and the whole world is against them. The Roman Empire is trying to destroy this band of followers of this rabbi Jesus. I wonder how many times Peter, who is the face of the early church, after Jesus dies and goes, rises again, goes up to heaven. Peter's the the leader of the early church and Rome is persecuting them. And I'm sure he feels like a fraud at times, like he's not cut out to be the leader. I'm sure people point out to him, like, why are you leading? You denied you even knew Jesus three times. I wonder how many times Peter went back to that moment where Jesus said, hey, you're you're my rock and I'm going to build my church on you and the gates of hell aren't going to prevail against it. That's the power of our words. My junior year in high school, I was toying with the idea of becoming a pastor, but I knew that that would involve public speaking. I wasn't sure how I felt about that. So I took a speech class. And I wasn't the best in the speech class. I'm pretty sure I wasn't the worst. Somewhere in the middle. But I'll never forget, after one speech, my, my speech class teacher, she came up to me and she looked at me and she had a twinkle in her eye. And she said, hey, I think you have a knack for this. Now, if she had not said that, if she had said, wow, you're really bad at this, would I, would I be up here? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. But here's what I know. She had an opportunity, and she spoke life. And I haven't seen her since I graduated high school, but her words still echo in my soul and my mind. That's the power of our words to speak life. One more study for you. Brain Games uh, is a TV show. Uh, my kids like to watch it. Sometimes I'll watch in the background. You know how parents, how like our kids have shows and we act like we don't want to watch them, but then we secretly watch them because they're actually kind of entertaining. So Brain Games, season five, episode, or excuse me, season three, episode five, they do this fascinating study. Uh, they, they have this game called Perfection. Now, apparently this is a really old game. I just discovered it last week, so I'm going to blame my parents for that one. But in perfection, you have 25 different uh, little symbols, and each symbol only fits in one location. And you have a timer. So you start the timer, and then you've got to try to get all 25 symbols in before the timer goes off. Very stressful. So fun. So uh, they brought these people in, never played the game before, and they put the timer on, and they wanted to see if they could beat the game, get everything in before the timer went off. But here was the catch. Half of the group, they had someone standing behind them speaking negatively to them. 
saying things like, you better hurry up. You're not going to get this in time. What's taking so long? Can't you figure this out? This is a children's game. What's the problem? Right? Like negative feedback. The other half of the group, same person standing behind them, giving them positive feedback. Standing behind them saying things like, hey, you got this. You got plenty of time. Doing great. You'll figure this out. You're good. Now, you would think that someone standing behind them shouldn't make that much of a difference, right? Like occasionally maybe someone would get flustered. Maybe it would affect the results a little bit. But, I mean, someone just speaking behind them that has no effect on what they're doing shouldn't affect them that much. But here's what they, they found. The group that had positive reinforcement from behind them as they were doing perfection were able to get it four out of five times. Four out of five. Pretty good. The group that had negative reinforcement coming from behind them as they were trying to do perfection were able to complete perfection one out of five times. Your words have power. To speak death and to speak life. Number four, your words become the biography of your life. The soundtrack biography of your life. Proverbs 18.21, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Those who love it will eat its fruit. What does that mean? Those who love words. Now, we live in America, in American culture, 2022, so I'm just going to, I'm going to say we all love words. I don't know that there are very many hermits in the room, right? Like back in the, the book of Proverbs, when that was written, right? People were uh, a little more, uh, could go off, be alone, be hermits, right? But 2022, American culture, we all love words. We all use words. We all text or tweet, use social media, call, whatever it is, whatever your generation. We all use words a lot. So we all love words. The author writes, those who love words will eat its fruit. What that means is every time you say something to someone, you are producing something in them. As we interact with people and we say things to them, we're either, we're producing something in them, either hope, love, joy, kindness, or the opposite. We're producing something in them, fear, discouragement. And the author writes that as we speak to people and something rises up and is produced in them, in some small way that actually comes back to us. We eat it. In other words, what we say that produces something in people becomes a part of us. The words that you say to people produces something in them and that literally becomes who you are. The story of your life, the biography of your life, what you are known for is what you produce in other people. So how are we doing? How are we doing with our words? Or let me put it this way. Imagine we lived in an alternate reality where everything that you said over the past two months to other people, everything you said was tattooed on your arms. On your left arm, every negative comment, every sarcastic comment, every harsh comment, tattooed on your left arm. On your right arm, every positive hopeful, kind, thoughtful, loving comment tattooed on your right arm. How are your arms looking? The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Psalms nineteen fourteen. as you wrap up, the writer writes, let the words of my mouth and the thoughts of my heart be pleasing in your eyes, O Lord. Maybe for some of us, there's an opportunity this week to take a small step 
forward and being intentional with our words, to simply pray this prayer each morning. Each morning as we wake up, start our day with this prayer. Father, let the words of my mouth and the thoughts of my heart be pleasing in your eyes. For others of us, maybe this week there is an opportunity to be intentional, to be full of grace. That our conversations this week, that the words we speak would be full of grace, kindness towards others and ourselves. Lastly, we are in uh, Operation Love Your Neighbor. If uh, you missed last week, there are these flyers in the lobby that have the opportunities that we have at Northbrook over the coming uh, three or four weeks to serve in our community. I encourage you to grab one of these, check out the opportunities, uh, look for something that you would enjoy and, and be able to do to serve our community. And as you do it, realize that not only is it your actions as you serve, but your words have power as well to speak life and to speak death. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your goodness and your love and the power that we have been given to bring your kingdom down through the words that we use. Father, as we go into this week, may we, may we be intentional to speak words of life over people, to be thoughtful, to be reflective and not reactive, to think before we speak, to choose to build people up, to speak kindness and love and grace and goodness over people. Father, would you give us wisdom as we speak to be your hands and feet this week through the words that we use. In Jesus' name, amen.